I'm excited to be joined on the podcast today by one of the first guests I've had somewhere in that first week. He's now at UC Davis. At the time, he was in Lawrence, Kansas. I think Lawrence University now at UC Davis as the running backs coach. And just somebody I've been able to, to connect with from the time I was back with VHS tape. I remember sending some stuff to him, emailing him, and getting back this VHS tape couple weeks later and it really became the core of what we were doing with in our offense and then a ton of the principles kind of just carried forward so joining me is the godfather of the fly offense coach Mark Speckman. Mark it's great to be talking ball with you here even though this is a challenging time. Well it is it's a, a crazy surreal time but it's great to be able to talk football and have a little normalcy and appreciate you having me on. Absolutely well coach I told you we, we had some questions from our listeners uh, submitted to us on Twitter, and I'm going to consolidate some of these, but uh, some good questions here, all related to the fly sweep, and certainly is if you look back, even this past season, I think it's grown even more. Just about every offense has some element of this, including guys in the NFL now, right? It's really taken over the NFL. You see it both from under center and the gun. You see all the types of exchanges, the handoff, the pop pass, all those kinds of things. For you, in, in looking at it, being one of the original guys to do this, how, how exciting is it to see that, that influence it's been on the game? Well, it, it's really exciting because, you know, I, I can remember newspaper articles saying, is this fly or is this folly, and questioning our offensive output. And, you know, people, at, you know, when I coach high school, at upper level saying, well, it's just in high school offense or when I got to Willamette, it's just a smart kid's offense or, you know, now obviously everybody's running it. It used to be people would call me up if the 49ers ran a sweep and that uh, was really pretty novel. And now, of course, I, you know, my phone would be ringing off the hook. So it, it is really, you know, it, it's, it's heartening. And, and I mean, it's not like I wrote a song and I get royalties for it. That's my wife points that out all the time. And, you know, but it's, it, it just, obviously I, you know, I would, I believed in it. I hung in there. I, I kind of preached it, and it's neat to see it um, taken off, no doubt. Well, shoot, Coach, if you got royalty for every time that play was run, and you'd be sitting pretty right now. You know, I would be. I, 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 thought I was on an airplane once, and I sat next to a musician who was in a pretty popular 90s group, and they had kind of fallen out of the top, and they were just doing – gigs around the country but he said they get eight cents for every apple itunes purchase and i started doing the math i go that that could be pretty good if i got eight cents for every sweep but you know hey i didn't invent it and i just passed it on and i just developed you know different ways of doing it so it's just that's what's kind of cool about football so i mean a lot of people shared with me and you know i've been able to share with a lot of people that is i think what's the the coolest thing about football is when you're putting things together like there's a lot of playbooks that look the same. There's some coaches who just copy-paste. But then there's the coaches who look at and study all these different elements of, of offense and repackage it in something that makes sense for the guys they have and the situations they have. And it becomes uniquely theirs, right? So they may not have been the guy who invented that scheme, but because of the way they use it and how it all fits together, like I because mean, none of these plays anybody runs are in isolation they're all within the framework of some kind of context of the game and what's been run before it after it etc well yeah that it really is and it's a lot you know the wildcat looks a lot like the old single wing you know and and you know so 
obviously different size bodies and different maybe offensive line splits and different philosophies and different size football than the old days, but still comes down to there's, you know, there's an A gap, a B gap, a C gap and a D gap, and you better cover them all on defense. And you you know, you got to get the ball through one of them and on offense. And so, you know, it is, again, I've never made the claim that I invented the fly sweep, but I, I will say I developed an offense around it that, and so, you know, obviously just taking a lot of different ideas. I used to go to clinics all the time and hear people or talk about stuff I was never going to do, but I still got some great ideas and, and a lot of a lot of the stuff I got was just from listening to them and then saying, well, how could you, you know, how would I do that? Or drawing a play up and then putting a the guy in motion and seeing how it changed it. And and so, yeah, it's just, it's an, it's an interesting profession that you do share a lot and give a lot and take a lot. And, and it's, you know, ultimately, hopefully kids are going to have a great experience playing the game. Absolutely. At the end of the day, though, you take that eight cents a play gladly. <laughs> At the end of the day, I would gladly take eight. You no, know, and I, I would even four. Four cents would be fine too. So <laughs> I don't want to be greedy. Uh, <laughs> we'll get, we'll get the information, coaches. If you want to send checks later, exactly. Thank you. I'll give you my, my post office box. <laughs> well, this podcast has been designed as a way to get ideas and a way for coaches to to do that while maybe they're doing other things working out driving whatever and and you know it's been amazing how far this has come since you and the fir- and I talked the first time here and we're going to allow guys to get some more ideas today and we've opened it up for questions and what I've noticed coach as I've done this especially with the offensive guys the the defensive guys are creeping into this conversation they're doing some recon here to try to figure this out. So what we'll do is we'll get their questions away out front and maybe they'll go away and stop listening after that. All right. All right. <laughs> so I, I do have a, a question uh, from uh, Rob Everett, who was defensive coordinator at Bridgewater. And then he went on to the AAF until that folded as well as Jacob Phillips is a defensive coordinator at Centennial high school. And basically these guys are looking for information on what is toughest against the fly. So question is what type of defensive structures gives the fly sweep the most trouble, for example, coverage technique, shell force, et cetera. You know, I get that question a lot over the years. I've, it's been asked a lot and my stock answer is always, I've had my butt kicked by every defense and I've kicked every defense's butt. And which means that, you know, you should be able to beat, I think good offensive scheme is going to be able to attack all the defenses that being said i always like watching army navy because you know if anybody knows going to know how to stop the option it's going to be one of those two schools and you know so it's interesting to see that what they do to the option and what they you know what their defensive coaches come up with and it's a question i used to ask all the time when you know whenever i would leave a high school i would go talk to defensive coordinators at schools we played that i really thought did a good job against us and pick their brains on like what would you think what was our and they love talking to me about stuff and, and offense. And so I got a lot of really good ideas that way. I, I think, you know, again, the older you get, you can never answer a question in a sentence, you know. And so it's a little bit of a long answer. But I just think, you know, not changing a lot of what you're doing is probably the best thing to do. And then really studying what that team does in the sense of can they – I mean, you can stop the fly sweep out of any defense. And you just got to commit people to it. And, and I've, again, our philosophy, you know, my philosophy over our coach is, Hey, we're going to beat you with the sweep and we're going to beat you with the sweep. 
and or really we're going to beat you with the sweep or we'll beat you with the sweep meaning hey we'll just run it around you if you let us and if you won't let us you're leaving yourself vulnerable somewhere and when we really majored in the fly or at places i've been there's been very few teams that have totally stopped our sweep game but to do it you have to commit a lot of people and I think a real effective way to do it is to, is to use the corner to trap. So when they see motion coming, they kind of hit it. Now, obviously, you're leaving, you know, you don't get a great safety rotation down. And I think that's, that's been tough. But most corners aren't that physical. And so, you know, it's got to be the right guy. You know, I think a lot of people, you know, I, I would think, I would if I was a defensive coach, and I, I usually tell people, how, how many ways do they run the sweep? Meaning, is it always outside? And if, it, if it's only one way, just take it away. And as soon as you take it away, most coordinators will get away from it. And if they're really good at it, and, you know, and I, you know, again, obviously, you know, tooting my own horn, we would never get out of it. We would say, okay, great. This is the next type of sweep we're going to try. And we would have a, an answer. So if a team runs, you know, a cut it up sweep and a get outside sweep, and, and if they have a variety, then you know that there to me that they would be a little bit more dangerous because you could they could catch you a little bit. But a team dabbles in it and they just run a little bit of sweep. You know, you know, getting the five technique upfield can be good, or bringing the outside linebacker to the sweep side every time there's motion can be good. And and obviously some teams bring the backside outside linebacker take away the you know other plays so you know those are things that have worked and we've had to study and and you know say okay if we see this you know this is what we have to do and we you know you should have some kind of a counter to it whether it be a pass play or a run play so I don't know if that answered that or not but it's it's kind of there are things you can do but just just really scout your opponent and. I mean, how committed to this thing are they? And and if it's just something they do to try to cause a little confusion, and and they don't run out a ton, and they're not great at it, then I would I would you know I'd storm the castle to the side the sweep's coming from. I think you you make a really interesting point there too. Having I guess multiple versions of the sweep, and I know from when I first learned it from you, it was you know, the green light, the red light, and the yellow light sweep. Has that been something you've carried with you as as this has been part of the different offenses you coached? It really has been. And it's, it's you know, when I was the head coach, we always had time to make it work because I was in charge of the schedule. And and then as an assistant coach in Montreal or, um, you know, here at Davis, I'm not really making the schedule. And so what I've learned is that we have to have all those. And I think we're sold, you know, on having them all, but we got to, we got to, you know, we just got to limit the the number of them, you know, and, and we've got to make them very um, as teachable as possible. And that's been, that's been something I've learned for teams that aren't going into this whole hog, but we do have a, a yellow light sweep, a green light sweep and a, and a red light sweep. We'd like to, I mean, I mean, you know, sometimes you just don't have a guy to do it or the blockers to do it, but, in theory, that's what we would like to be able to do. So, Coach, in looking at, we'll stick with that, those, those kinds a little bit, there, the practice time you mentioned, right, that's a big part of this, the mesh timing, the path, the blocking variations. And so Matt Langley from Caldwell, Texas, wanted to know exactly about that. If you're going to do, you know, the, the fly sweep, if you're going to build around the fly sweep, what kind of practice time 
allotment are you going to give it give it to those different things the mesh the path the blocking variations well i think that's a key question and you know sometimes you got to think about is it minutes or is it reps you know and sometimes you think of practice in minutes and and sometimes you really only need x number of reps i think really how many reps i've you know that's one of the questions i've been asking myself the last few years like well how many reps do we really need at this to get really good at it and to give them the looks they're going to get and so i think that the mesh part of it is is crucial and so but i think you can do that for three five minutes a day some schools i used to take the the, the quarterback and the sweeper during special teams that they weren't involved and we'd steal reps. You know, we're always trying to steal reps and people were having an inside run drill and we're just running basic run plays, but we would still bring a sweeper through just to practice the timing. And, and, you know, we would, anytime it was on film, we would coach it up and, you know, we, you know, we would coach the, the fake or this timing or the mesh as much as we would coach the footwork of an offensive lineman or, you know, the read by the running back. And so I think, you know, we usually, you know, when I was majoring in this, we would have a mesh period of, you know, again, we, we did it in minutes and five minutes of with the running backs and the, and the sweeper and the quarterback. And, and we would usually do twice a week, a perimeter run session could be, you know, one of them could be a walkthrough, but we would really, really concentrate on the perimeter blocking and and then during practice you know you just constantly motioning people and, and again again it's not all the time it's not 100 percent, but you know it can be 30 percent. it could be 70 percent of the plays during during your scout period or your team period to have some kind of motion on it and so those was accumulated reps and really when i sat down and counted them i was amazed how many reps we got at it. and and we're and we're good at it. and we're and i think we're good now at it i think you know one of the things that i think we do really well at davis is we have a really good mesh and because that is something that just through the you know i don't know how many minutes we really give it but we give it some but we give it a lot of we give it a lot of reps and just throughout practice so sticking with the mesh you got three guys who kind of had the same question here coach spencer from goodyear arizona richard russo from horn lake high school and coach wiggins all wanted to know about preference as far as the mesh, the exchange, probably is a better word, the exchange from gun. We've seen the the little toss pass become popular. You know, I think it was Bob Stitt maybe, the School of the Minds brought it and you know, over and talking with Dana Hogerson and Dana Hogerson started doing it and then everybody started doing it. So any thoughts as far as the preference on that? Which do you prefer and and I guess the the biggest argument you you hear from the other side that the the toss up or the pass is better is that it gets to the edge quicker. Thoughts on that? Well, I think it's a really good question. Also, you know, when I learned it, we were all you know I have film from the fifties. This guy doing it where the I mean it looked like a wing T formation. The two backs are in three point stances. The the, the motion guys cocked in forty five degrees and right off the tackle or tight end foot. And it, you know, and then nowadays it's a spread offense, and nobody's in a three-point stance, and 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 so I think all that stuff kind of doesn't matter. I think it's just how your your preference or what what system you want to run. But if you're behind center, I think you can get outside faster. You know, I'd love to do a time analysis study of it 
And I, I think it's pretty simple math, Coach, when you think about it. There's just that added element that it's going to take longer if you're you're doing anything from shotgun. Yeah, and, and but you are deeper. And so I think you need to kind of determine what kind of like what kind of – when I was at Lawrence, and actually it was, it was Lawrence in Wisconsin, uh, Appleton, Wisconsin. But when I was – the last time I was office coordinator, I was there, and we did – we were about 50-50. And that, to me, I like – I really like that. And so we would work behind center mesh and, and then we would work the, the shotgun mesh. A lot of people think the behind center mesh is more deceptive. And I think there's some truth to that. And I would agree, but yeah, I think it's pretty deceptive in the gun too, done properly. And I think what people forget is that when that ball snapped and that offensive line rises up a little bit and all those things are happening in the backfield you know, unless you're really, really staring at the football, and most defenses don't teach their kids to do that, they're key, reading some kind of a key. They don't see that mesh point. And, and 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 I've seen a lot of people running after fakes in the shotgun, just like they do from behind center. I think the behind center one, we if you're behind center, I think the quarterback's got to control the mesh, and he's got to control the snap count. And we try to get the quarterback to take what we call the fly step, and he always turn to the sweeper try to get about a you know i always set a yard but you know if they got half a yard or three quarters of a yard that was good enough and i had one of my best quarterbacks ever just hopped and uh he, he was good at it and i couldn't change it so we just let him do it but and we'd like to be you know we'd like our back to be the defense when we're and we call it dealing cards we want to deal cards from there and and then when you're in the gun I don't think quarterback can control the snap count anymore. I just think it's too hard for him to read safeties, read defenses, catch the football, time the sweep, and do I – mean, it's very difficult. And so way back in the early 2000s when this was – you know, when I was toying with the shotgun, I said, I just don't think we can do it. And one of the kids at Willamette, so a coach, one of the sweepers, said, I can see the football. And I said, well, we all can see the football. And, and But his point was, I'll get there when the ball gets there. And – and that really, I think, made it easier for us to run the sweep out of or, or to mesh out of the uh, gun. So our backs, or our, the guys, we call them sweepers. Our sweepers are building speed in the gun, and they would look. They don't need to be going 100 miles an hour, 100. percent You know, they you know they need to be building speed. And I always tell you know players, hey, you know, if you're standing still and I'm walking, I'm faster than you. And so, you know, if we can get to full speed within two steps after getting the football, still think we can get around the, the five technique. And so that change of philosophy of having a different mechanism of who's in charge of it really helped because I think it's really important if you want to have a good mesh, no matter how you do it. I mean, I see a lot of teams where the sweepers going in motion, the quarterbacks behind center and he's, everybody's tentative. Like, am I, am I going too fast or, and I, I would always tell my sweepers, hey, it's not your if you if he doesn't snap it, you just keep running and think about how much I'm going to be yelling at the quarterback because it's not your, your it's not your problem. Same thing with the quarterback and, and the gun. I say, hey, all you got to do is I don't care if it's high and left or if you. I mean, I have to tell my guys picking it off the ground and just kind of their head's still down, but they're holding the football up, and the sweeper gets it and we get a big play. And so the bad snap is the enemy of the shotgun. And so and we've even practiced, you know, high lefts, you know, low to the right. It don't always in the practice make that, you know, snap perfect. 
You don't want to make it up, you know, waste a rep and, you know, stress the quarterback a little bit. So he's got to concentrate on it. And, and, and so basically that ball hits the quarterback's hands and it's shotgun, it's boom. And then that sweeper is covering the football. It's boom. So if I go boom, boom, that's too slow. If I go boom, boom, that's about right. And that's really the, the, the kind of, I think, how you create consistency in your mesh is time and time in the, uh, the motion guy. Definitely. It's something, you know, when I was at Baldwin Wallace, what really stuck with me, what I really liked from when we were running it under center was that whole aspect of dealing cards. I did like the quarterbacks, you know, back getting to the defense and that ball disappearing a little bit. And, and those, you know, I mean, it's kind of principle of the wing T, right? Like you end up having three guys on the midline, each going different directions afterwards and someone's got the ball. So the, that to me was important when we were a pistol team but we had one of those those guys who could really be good at the sweep and we started it, everything we were doing was we basically had the same actions as if we were under center so i really liked the timing of what we did we'd reverse out on all our runs so he'd catch and i told him we were t- turning you into an old spinner back and so the way we made that fit though with and it didn't mess a lot with the what the things we were doing was instead of coming in front is he went behind like the quarterback was still under center since that's how we were treating. And it, and it actually worked out well. Now it wasn't necessarily the, the speed you see of like, you know, a guy running a jet sweep who's, who's got the ball and two steps into it. He's in full speed. I mean, we were, we were pretty close though, but it was still, you know, that effect of, of, you know, somebody's attacking the flank with the sweep. Somebody's running in the middle. Somebody's, attacking the the other flank with a naked or a bootleg and you know those kinds of things work well together so it's it's one of those things like I don't think any of this and I think you'd agree is not necessarily an either or it's one of those things that what works best for your guys and what you're trying to do and and back to what we said before like what did you what did you build around this how does this fit into what you're doing you know I I, I didn't want to change I didn't want two offenses and I, and I didn't want two motions and and I always felt like as a defensive coach, if they did a you know a cross or you know behind the court, you know, let's say they're behind center, or let's say you're in shotgun, you go in front of the quarterback in motion, or you go behind in an orbit type motion. I always thought that kind of was a tell for the defense because you couldn't do all your plays. You know, I mean, if you went behind, there were certain things they did, and if they went in front, there were certain things they did, and you know, you know, you know, they could still kick your rear end, but at least you knew what was happening and. But my whole thing was, hey, I wanted to be able to run my under center offense from shotgun. I, I didn't start out that way. I just wanted to get a short quarterback. It was third and seven. We were going to throw the ball. Who's kidding who? Let's give the guy a chance and um, put him in shotgun, see if he can see a little bit better, give him a little bit more time. And then you say, well, now every time we're there, we're passing. So I'm going to bet no. And then we worked out the sweet part of it. But then we just kept our same running back paths and we kept our same running back plays and, and, and then we had a quarterback that could really run. And so then all of a sudden it became, I thought, really dangerous. And because now a one-back offense becomes a two-back offense and a two-back offense becomes a three-back offense. And can you have all those variations of people going different directions and things you can do and and ways to leverage the defense. And so I just felt like um, the key, whether they, you know, however you did it, was just time the mess so that that guy threatened the flank on, on the sweep. 
Well, going along with that, Coach, I think this is a good question. This is from Coach Summers, who is at St. Francis University in British Columbia. He says, what are the base principles behind splits to maximize leverage within a fly sweep scheme? Another good question, and one we've really uh, kind of gone round and round with here at, at Davis. And as I, the longer I did it, the more I got into big splits. And my thought process was if, if you want to get to the D gap, come and most people say, let's cut our splits down and, and the D gap's a little bit closer for us. But it hurts your inside run game, especially if you're not a dominant zone blocking team or they don't have great offensive alignment. And so we kind of evolved to getting big splits and we, and our, and, and, and I just figured that, Hey, if my guy's running and you're standing still and each lineman gets one foot bigger split, that's a yard. We can probably make a yard up pretty quick if I'm running and you're not. And so we, we had a lot of success with that. And, and then melding what we're doing here at UC Davis with, with the fly stuff and coach Hawkins did a great job of really getting a lot of, good coaches and, and saying, okay, let's, let's create this offense. And so we started out with pretty big splits and, and we still have good splits, but we've, we've tightened them a tad just because, you know, of the, of some of the zone plays and some of the, the, the things we want to run, whether we have motion or don't have motion. And so I, I think there's good argument either way. I just think it kind of comes down to, you know, are you good enough to have small splits with you in your league and, and, and create, an A or B gap run. And if you're not, you might want to move your guys out a little bit. I don't think it makes a difference on the sweep personally. I think there's some people that would argue with me, but if you time it right, I feel pretty good that, you know, I've got a lot of film of us running sweeps with big splits. Well, coach, you've already kind of alluded to, you've seen it all and done some, a lot of different things. And even here, you know, the adjustments to what you're doing at UC Davis, but Blake Pressey from Kentucky wanted to know what's the biggest adjustment that, you've made with the fly since you started it? That's a great question, too. These are, these are all genius coaches who you're dealing with. I think, you know, a lot of times I'll see a kid that played for me. He's not a kid anymore. He's probably a grandfather or something. I don't know. But I'll see somebody and I'll say, you know, I go, hey, coach, you still running that stuff? And I go, you know, you could step in. You could you could step in our huddle and it'd be really familiar and then you wouldn't know what the heck we were doing. And so, and, and I think I'm right. I mean, a lot of the plays look exactly the same. And obviously the terminology changes over the years, but even the, even just the, what we're meshing together, you know, because when you have the fly sweep as part of your run game or, you know, whether it be a big part or a small part, you're really using that sweep to do other things too, you know? And, and so I think you just kind of, the beauty of the system to me of, of doing something like that is you can kind of control the defense a little bit, how they're going to play to the side of the sweep. And then you can kind of utilize your personnel or your expertise, whether it be a, you know, an inside zone or a counter or power or combination of, or traps, you know, or you know, all man blocking, all zone blocking, all gap blocking. It doesn't really matter. And that's what kind of, kept me doing this all those years because you know when you coach high school guys change you know and sometimes you got a great quarterback sometimes you don't have one sometimes you have a tailback sometimes you don't sometimes you have a line sometimes you don't you know so you're always juggling and hiding your weaknesses as best you can I and to me that's what the fly does it hides you can hide it can hide your weaknesses I would say the biggest difference is um um probably utilizing 
you know, just utilizing different pass games and pass protections and play action protections, the RPOs, all that kind of stuff off of off of the fly stuff has been been really good. I knew things that I've had to learn and, and, and study. And then, you know, coming up with a productive mesh system out of the shotgun has been probably the other biggest thing that that I've, you know, when I started, I wasn't doing it. And now that we are, now now we're doing it quite a bit. So I'd say those would be the two different things. You know, when I was at Lawrence, we ran a lot of run and shoot principles in, in the passing game. And it, we're a lot of West Coast stuff here at Davis. And, and you know, it just kind of meshed. It, you know, in Montreal, we were doing all kinds of different things. And, you know, and of course you had 12 guys and everybody could be in motion. So it's it's everywhere is just a, a little bit different. But those principles of, you know, how we, how, you know, how we getting around the defensive end that that bothers all the defensive coordinators and and that has my whole career i had a, a few guys kind of asking about the the playoff of that especially the play action adam wilson dustin bowling and, and coach spencer basically want to know what's the the best play action for that off of the fly sweep and and i guess would there be a variation between favorite play action and under center versus gun Again, a great question. We were running, you know, in the early 2000s at Willamette. We were really high, highly ranked nationally in rushing, and and you would think we would be a great play action team. We had a pretty good quarterback and 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 you know good receivers, and 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 we were okay. But it just wasn't like it's like every time we called a play action pass, they covered it, and then we called a you know a run play, they were up. So to me, it was always kind of like I was always a play behind, and. But one of my off-season projects was I, I was going to become a great play-action pass coach, and I went to all kinds of different people. And one of the guys that really helped me was Andy Ludwig, who's now at Utah. And and he his you know what he taught me, and it really helped me was like there's play-action passes you want to do to motion, and there's play-action passes you want to do away from motion, and that seemed pretty simple, but. You know, and, and if you're really good at the sweep, you better be really good at understanding defensive rotations and defensive coverages. And we had a whole vocabulary of things we would use. And so the guy in the box would say, hey, that, hey that's a that's a uh, sky low roll. And I knew exactly what was going on. Or, hey, you know, that's a, that's a cloud, you know, um, you know, that's cloud coverage. Or, you know, we had, I think there was, you know, cover three and one high, I think we had six terms. And then two high, we had eight terms. And so you never, you only saw it once a year, but we, we, we were ready for it. And there's only so many things you can do back there as a defensive coach. And, and, and some teams do nothing. They don't even rotate. They don't do anything. And, and so we try to come up with, with, with teams that, let's just start with teams that rotate. And we really tried to do things that, you know, would isolate the backside receiver or get as many people to the backside as possible, like dragging a tight end, having a, you know, so they, single receivers running, you know, a corner or an out and the tight end running across or maybe a, a back, you know, swinging out on a flare or, or something, but, you know, try to get at least two guys or one, if you got to, you know, sometimes our receiver was better than their corner. And so we love that just going one-on-one, that's just like Tuesday practice, you know, period 16 through 18 was, you know, one-on-one drill. And um, now you're just doing it in the game. And so, kind of depends on your personnel, you know, if you can single up a guy, that's great. You know, and then the other thing is you can get, you know, if they don't rotate, you can probably get a lot more people out to a side 
And so we probably go more, you know, more play action pass that way. And, and I would never put a play in that. I should say never, but most of our pass plays off of that was things we did anyway. And, and all we were doing was adding a sweeper and the sweeper always ran the same route. He's just faking the sweep and then he's just running a, a wide or swing and he's always a check down guy and he's just about always open. And if guys go back, if they run this and look at their film and you know, most of the time, like and nobody's after you fake them, nobody's really covering. And so I think whatever your best play is with a, you know, a three man concept, in a two-man concept, I don't think there's anything that the fly adds other than sometimes we've we've had a one or two-man screen in front of the sweeper and you know, run everybody off and have the quarterback look downfield and, and then throw it to the sweeper and get some linemen in front of them. That's been good. Or you can do it to the, the back away from the sweep. You, know, you can run screens, and that's been good. But if you're a wide receiver screen guy and you get in a three-by-one formation, you run the fly and uh, throw the screen back has been good. You know, I just – so to me, it's really important to just kind of see what the defense is doing. I don't think there's any magic play. You know, a lot of teams in the NFL are bringing that tailback down the seam off the sweep. And so they're running some kind of clearing routes with the receivers or just running four verticals and three verticals and then the sweepers, the swing guy. All that is, is good stuff. But I just think, you know, whatever – whatever if you have a, a flood or a snag or whatever your system is – just take one of those guys, whoever's a flat guy, have him be the sweeper and it still works. And if you want to run a spot route in the corner and then yeah, flat, and then, but if you just run, if the flat guy is a sweeper, you're going to get some action out of it. And, and he won't be in the flat, but he's still going to be basically in the same area. That makes, I hope that makes sense. And so I would just, if I ran the sweep, I, I'd make sure I had a go-to play that I really felt good about. One of my plays I really like was a run and shoot play. Where you can know, again, it could be two back or one back. It could be two by two, but generally you're going to motion a guy and leave a single receiver, and that guy was going to run a, a go route, and he had a ten yard rule, and if he couldn't, if if we were even at ten, we kept going, we put it up or we back shouldered it, and if that corner was off, he 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 stopped and turned to the sideline, and that ball was coming to the sideline. And we, that was probably one of our most successful plays. And you could, you know, dress it up. You could do it to the side of the sweep. You could do it, which took care of those uh, corners that wanted to trap. And you could hit that, you know, hit the, the whole shot there if they're trying to play cover two behind it. But that was very simple. And, of course, most kids think they can run by everybody. So you know, the receivers were the problems. You know, they get to 15 and go, I think I got them, coach. And they try to keep going and, and you really had to work on that 10-yard mark. And and then the other thing I think is really important in play action, I was going to say, it's, it's much easier in the shotgun to go with a sweeper going from right to left or left to right. But I think in the in the if you're going to run some fairly quick, for example, that play I just said, which could, you know, should, the ball should get out of the quarterback's hands pretty quick. Usually for a right-handed quarterback, we brought the sweeper from the left so he, you know, he turned to his left, and then as he, you know, the, the play was the, the throw was going to be to his right, and uh, we could do something to the left, but we would take a five-step or seven-step drop off of off the fake. So I think you just got to be, because otherwise you got a kid pirouetting around, and so I just think you got to be kind of careful in behind center play actions on what what the quarterbacks, which side you're throwing to, and I think the the bootleg 
I think it's better out of the gun too. I just think there's less mechanics and less, I don't think you have to be as disciplined as a quarterback with a bootleg to your left or to your right out of the gun as you did behind center. It's much easier to, for a right-handed quarterback to go to his right. we got a, a couple questions here, kind of a little bit more of the strategy type, I guess. And you, you mentioned a little bit of this in your last answer here, but Kyle Pettit, Scoop Reed, we're looking for a little bit and just things that you're looking at to find an advantage, you know, from, from the defense, how their leverage, their movement, you know, different ways you can attack. Is there a series of events that take you to, well, I know, you know, you're, you're working the different sweeps, but also take you to the inside runs as far as the keys that you're looking at to make those decisions as the play caller? Yeah, that's again, a great question. When I started coaching with coach Hawkins at Willamette, I was up in the press box calling plays and, and, and then I did that for a few years, and I really thought that was the way to go. And in, in high school, I had some good coaches. I was on the field, but and, and I wasn't up in the box. And and I always felt blind, you know, like I, I could, I could kind of see stuff, but I, I really couldn't see it as well. That's me. You know, I'm not a quarterback or offensive guy, so I, you know, maybe I'm not trained that way. And it just, just was tough. And then when I became head coach at Willamette, I, I stayed up. And I, and I felt, hey, I could call timeouts. I could, you know, I had good coaches on the field, and we could, I could tell them what to do, and I could see kids on the bench, and I could, I could see everything. And it was kind of a good way to do it. Then I kind of got to well, I was, the first half I was up, the second half I was down, and then you know, trained the staff, and they had some guys really good, and they went up, and so I got on the field for quite a while. I was up in the box for a year or two with Davis, and that was good. But I'm not calling plays here, so it. it um, and so I guess my point is I always wanted when I was on the field some kind of language, something that, like, if I got kidnapped and was put in the trunk of a car and I still had my headset on and I could still call the game and because I could see it in my head. And that's really what I think you want to do as a play caller is be able to see it in your head. And, and you know, I work with a guy, Coach Tim Plyer, who's an amazing offensive coordinator at Davis, and, and he has an uncanny ability to see the field in his head and, and he was a great quarterback, and he sees it like a quarterback, and um, and and it, it's really, really, pretty impressive. But I I didn't have that ability, and so to answer it's a long preamble to when we go in motion, first thing we're looking for is what do you do? I mean, are you going to run with us? Are you going to rotate with us? Or are you going to stand there and, and just you know and maybe you know in some teams? Oh, and then the other thing is, are you going to bounce your linebackers? And those are really the, the Four things people do is they rotate the secondary, they run somebody with the motion, they don't do anything, or they bounce their their linebackers. And and uh, you know they, maybe they slant the line or not, but that's not it's, you know you can't see that pre snap. And then the second thing it's you know so if we think they're outnumbering us on the sweep, then obviously we think we have to go away from that. And then the other thing we look for is I mean how many I know that everybody's counting the box. And that's big right now. But I always felt like we didn't have to count the box to the sweep side. I never counted the, the, the five technique to the sweep side or the outside backer to the sweep side because he, he's got to at least stay out there for a step. He may come back in and make the tackle on an inside run, but we're going to get five. And so, you know, I counted, you know, I didn't really count the box. I just want to see how many linebackers they had on the backside to stop our any kind of backside run or. Or pass, and so if there was 
inside and like in a four four defense there's an outside backer and an inside backer or four two you know then then we would call that there's two guys in the box and and so we were going to run to the side of the sweep inside and if there's only one then we were going to come back that way uh to the to the side the sweep started from and then the third thing we would always look for is like what is our d line trying to do are they slamming with the motion or away from the motion and usually the offensive line would come off and they were trained to kind of know and they'd give us a pretty good idea of what they were doing and some teams would just play irregular and some teams with with slants and some teams if you're really good at the sweep you don't get a whole lot of inside linebacker blitz and so those are the those are kind of the principles that, that we went with like from a, just an overall dashboard you know, a bird's eye view of of a game plan is like, what are they doing with that? Because you get a lot of information as opposed to just snapping the ball and going, what happened? Because you, you did nothing to manipulate the defense or cause them any grief. And so that was kind of my, my thinking all along was, how can I manipulate them pre-snap to give me some clues on, on how to call plays? Like that. that, that makes a lot of sense. And you know, sometimes as a play caller, you you got to figure out what what are those tools that get you to a certain call. And, and that's pretty simple the way you laid it out there. I like that. So, coach, we got two more questions for you here. <laughs> the one probably doesn't require a long answer here. Chris Anderson from Castroville, California, says, "Can you come back out to North County for one day and teach us the proper mesh drill?" <laughs> I'd love to. I love that's where where it all started, and I, I'd love to love to go back in the time machine and and uh, just enjoy that a little bit more. But I I, uh, I was young and dumb, but yeah, tell them tell them I'm not that far away. I'll probably break probably break six or seven rules, but we'll see what happens. And the last one I think is a good question. You know, there's all kinds of resources today, but Jacob Morris wanted to know what. Where's the best place to learn this? I know, Coach, for, for me, it was directly from you, and, and you were very uh, gracious with your time to be able to send a young coach some things that really made a difference. But your thoughts on the best place to, to learn the, the, all, all the stuff we talked about as far as the fly sweep, putting it in your offense? Well, I'll put a little plug in. You know, I don't think we're going to have it this year. We've had for 20 – we're running – in April, we're supposed to have the 24th annual um, – fly clinic and it's international now because we've had a guy from canada and a guy from uh, germany uh, come to it but um and it was it was pretty big at it willamette and it's kind of you know as i've moved around ebbed and flowed but we were having here i think i think there's some really good coaches um that i'll just give you know i think pete lavarado at the king's academy does a really good job with it in, in california and and um um, I think uh, Whiteland High School, um, Darren Fisher has done a really good job in Indiana running the um, running his version of the fly offense. And, and Steve Ballack, Liberty High School in, in Washington has been a longtime runner of the fly offense. And all those guys have had multiple winning seasons. And they kind of have their own twist. And they're high school guys. And, and, and not that that's any difference, but they're dealing with the same thing a lot of high school coaches are dealing with as far as and you know, you get what you get in high school, and you got to make them make them winners. Uh, Ernie Cooper at Granite Bay's uh, retired right now, but he had won a state championship in California, and he's really good with it. 
Phil Graham, at, at, uh, who's an office coordinator at Lawrence University, um, is a really good resource. And, um, and I know I'm forgetting some guys, but um, I think any of those guys and, and um, you know, again, if we could ever get, you know, I, I always tell guys, if you can get to the uh, fly clinic, I mean, you're going to make some great, um, great connections. You know, Kevin Swartwood's not coaching anymore. He's a principal at Golden Valley High School, but I think he's one of the best. And um, he still helps out. Kevin Navarro at Buhack Colony. If I go on, I mean, there's quite a few guys that, um, and then a bunch of guys in, in college that are, you know, I think BYU does a really nice job with their version of the, of the fly. And, and uh, um, I think Tennessee Tech does a really good version with, with them. And Matt Canada was doing a great job at um, LSU. And uh, so if you know any of those guys and, you know, or in those areas, I think, you know, those would be great resources for you. And, and Coach, I know this is, uh, you know, everybody's trying to figure out what is recruiting going to be here for the rest of the spring, even moving into the summer. But I think it's important that uh, coaches know where you recruit. So uh, what areas are you responsible for? You know, at UC Bay, was, we're, we're heavily California, um, but we do uh, basically the western United States. But my, my personal territory is the Sacramento area and the uh, Santa Rosa, Napa, kind of that Highway 80 and Highway 50 corridors in, in California. So I'm kind of the local guy. And um, and that's where I, uh, I'll i go other places for running back specifically, but for um, for just my general area, that's my area. And uh, Twitter, I'm sure, is always a good way to connect with you, Coach. What's your it's Twitter at Mark handle? Speckman. Uh, it's very, very um, simple and uh, a lot of thought into that. Well, Coach, as always, uh, it's it's great to talk ball with you. Uh, thank you for taking the time, and uh, you know, good luck to you as as we get out of this and then back into uh, the normal flow of a football coach. I really appreciate it. It's been fun. It got my brain going, and um, I, I appreciate all you do for football too, Keith. You've done a great job with this uh, podcast. It's gotten huge. So, congratulations. Thanks again for listening to the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. Get the show notes for this podcast and other articles and content at coachandcoordinator.com. Follow me on Twitter at Coach K Grabowski. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please go to Spotify or Apple and click five star for rate. If you have a minute, write a review. It helps the podcast.